0: Yeah, you obviously haven't seen the documentary uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day.
1: <laughs> Hi, my name's Brandon. Hi, my name's Sam. Hi, my name's Wayne. Hi, my name's
0: Steve and I'm an interplanetary being. Hi, my name's Andy.
2: Hi, my name's Michael. Just being a <laughs> lord, as B is. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Welcome to the first podcast about audio stuff. Does this podcast have a title? Audio One, where we take one question, walk into a room as friends, and walk out as sworn enemies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you rehearse that? Because that was really good.
3: That was pretty good, wasn't it? (laughs) What was the question? (laughs)
0: Oh
3: The question is, with the complexity of DAWs, is the role of the audio engineer becoming... Uh, obsolete.
2: Can you uh, define oh, yeah. complexity for me, please?
3: Your face. <laughs> <laughs> I, th-
4: I think I think he means I think he means they can do they can do more shit now. So we're talking about
0: DAW tools, in. as in like things that you can use within a DAW, not not just the DAW itself.
3: Well, no, I think it'll get to a point where with it'll, the... it'll be built
0: into be it. Built yeah, in. yeah. Well, you know, with um, increasing complexity. It
3: requires a user that is versed in all of this complexity to run the ship. Yes, I agree. We've had this discussion before. I still think it'll get to a point where you don't need, You won't need to have that. You'll just need to go in, press a button, choose a preset.
0: Yeah, but see, they say everything, you know, it's, it's all automatic, but I still need to press a button. When are they going to come up with something where I don't have to press a button? <laughs>
3: Please it's just true. think about it and this all
2: mixes itself <laughs> down mm. for you.
5: We well, automated made. automated services like Lander and all of that are starting. You know, with mastering, and all that—that's pretty handy. Has anybody ever used that?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is it—is it any good? Yeah. Any, um, any, it, it's the snobs in the uh, in the mastering kind of community like will, will will obviously uh, not speak highly of it because they've spent years and years training to be uh, uh, sort of highly sought after. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah. And they're, they're, it's
5: their skills that have been turned some kind of algorithm that is, yeah. now, is now being automated, right?
3: That's sort of what you're saying, yeah. in a way. That's sort of like entry into the industry. Um, you know, it's coming after us next as audio engineers, perhaps. The, Where do you I, think
2: something like Melodyne fits into that as well?
3: Well, I mean, the first time
5: you use Melodyne, it's not exactly easy, is it?
2: No. Yeah, but uh the, you know future <coughs> iterations of that software are going to make it easier and easier, right? Well, yeah. they've already
0: started with uh, uh waves have got autotune live now, which does it live. So obviously it's designed for live performance, but if you bring that into the studio when you're tracking the vocalist, it's tracking it automatically, so by the time they've finished you no longer
3: have to go in and edit everything, so, yeah, it's done it's for actually, you. It's really that's done. a
2: really good example of automating a, an engineer's job. Yeah, it,
3: it was a gradual thing and I think it was built on, on the power of the CPUs as they've gotten quicker and quicker, we've been able to access extra.
2: But see, I think like a program like Melodyne or Neutron or something like that, it still requires someone to make a decision. You know, it's offering you suggestions and, and ways of processing things, it's automating Tasks that would normally take you a lot longer to do it manually, but ultimately someone still needs to make a decision based on... on so a know, creative decision. Yeah.
0: The decision as in, is that the right result at the yeah, end? Yeah, yeah, but what's happening now with things like Lander and... Uh, neutron is that the computers are learning what people are deciding at the end of the process so they're actually embedding that into their algorithm so you know this many people like it when we did this this many people didn't like it so therefore when people in this genre want their song mastered they want it louder than these people and then it bec- it learns what we actually like and it becomes even more fine-tuned so that becomes that process becomes less and less but I don't think
2: th- I don't think it'll get to a point where decisions making is taken away from the people who, because people want to be able to make those decisions, they don't uh, in a lot of cases you know, fair enough, like the, the more sort of boring stuff can be automated but you know, when it comes to your art or whatever, people still want to have a, a so say in how
5: Are you talking about the producer's cap, as uh, in the artistic input yeah, to a yeah. song?
2: I, I'm just talking about like you know, using a program like Melodyne or, or Neutron or something like that you know, like, um, it, it changes, obviously changes the uh, artist's performance in certain ways and that sort of thing. But, um, and, you know, to a certain extent, Lander does as well when you're mastering stuff. I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, you can only, I think you can only automate a certain amount of that process because people will always want to be able to make a decision based on, you know, the, the artistic outcome at the end.
0: Yeah, you obviously haven't seen the documentary uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, (laughs) where it's not actually up to you whether you want that to be uh, the choice at the
1: end. The machine will make the choice. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: The, the financial aspect comes into it as an artist, or even as a, a more junior level engineer. Do you want to pay somebody to apply time extended skill sets and decisions to come up with something that you think is more organic? Or do you want to save money? And take Lander as the classic example, where your classic ma- mastering engineers will not particularly embrace it because it's an automated process but it can become very subjective whether the results that that automated process can produce, especially as the algorithms get better, Mm. are only worse um, than, than what an experienced mastering engineer can produce. And if you're on a budget, and you've, you've spent, or you're a semi pro band and you've spent most of your budget already on the recording and mixing stage, and you think, oh, right, I need to get it out there. This is probably diverging quite a bit, but it, it's not even semi pro bands.
3: I know of pro bands who get one song of an album mastered, and then their engineer that mixed the album will then use that as a blueprint to master the rest of the songs.
0: Yep, yeah, I've just done the that exact thing for a band. They got a song mastered at, I think it was 301. And they couldn't afford to do the rest of it, um, so they asked me to master it. And they gave me that song. Said, "Can you make it as loud as this?" And
1: that's basically. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you? Uh, how did you feel the results were?
0: I think that uh, I got. I definitely got close with the loudness. I didn't like making it that loud because I think it kind of. If I was doing it myself, I would have probably uh, given it a slight bit more dynamic range, but you know. That's what the kids listen to these days. I did use tools to try and um, emulate that as well. So I used Isotope to do EQ matching, that kind of thing. So I was able to get it pretty close. You know, I guess that's an example of technology being used to save money to do something more efficiently.
3: That's that's Complexity, that's automation in a sense. You are, you're taking a snapshot of the frequency spectrum. It wasn't that long ago that we didn't have tools that could do that. Now we do.
2: That's right. See, I I think that's where audio engineering is no different to any other type of job. You know, you look at other jobs that are being increasingly automated as computers get smarter and, you know, people are in inventing things like um, robots to merge with like you know AI and stuff. Audio engineering is not an exception to the rule.
5: It goes back to that. Not anybody off the street could do what you just did. Yeah. So it takes an audio engineer yeah. to look at that snapshot and go, to I need to replicate that, right?
2: Decisions. At this
0: stage, no, but very soon yeah like the band will be able to get one song mastered bring it in put it into isotopes new software and just go bang and it'll do it it's exactly what like lander is sort of doing although rather than analyzing a specific analyzing everything else that's been sent to them and applying that to
3: uh the songs they're mastering with um just to take it back a step if you go back to when you if you're a, if we keep the music organic let's say it's a band rather than um, electronic music the signal chain at the moment it still plays a really big part in that so you, you have a nice microphone going through a nice preamp going through a compressor or something like that but there are emulators out there that will take a 57 to stick an emulator on it and before you know it you've got a single chain that is awesome True, I've been a bit quiet. You have? Yeah, all right. So this is where I come in. I figured this might get <laughs> All right, everyone hour. take a 20-minute break. Andy's
1: <laughs> about to talk. <laughs> Andy, stand up away. I actually
4: did some research in regards to that uh, and got some statistics for you. I know they're a little bit dated in regards there from 2016. That's only a year ago. It's all right. Uh, NAM, National Association of Music Merchants, reported that recording equipment sales were up in the U.S. by 213% last year, so that was 2015. They also cited the decrease in prices for audio interfaces and laptops as contributing to musicians' ability to purchase higher-end microphones which were only available in studios. This is telling us now, audio engineering of old is still respected in what was now the cottage of studio industries. People that aren't audio engineers are willing to compete Within the big boys or the big studios to try to garner the same type of sound. So these people aren't purely relying on DAWs, they're still going back to old school technology of saying, Oh, I need a nice Neumann mic to get the tonal sound I'm after on a vocalist.
5: Well, that technology has been around for ages, hasn't it? Like, you yeah. remember the the, the the Waves, King's microphones and, yeah, and all it? of that. Antares ones. Antares ones, mic modelling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's There's been quite a few of those. But what has come recently is the Unison technology.
4: Yeah, yeah. Where well, you're basically using a, uh, a, a soft Neve preamp that uh, emulates hardware yeah. because you're using it. In pre line. in the signal flow, so it's, so,
3: what, it's a plug. It's a plug. Yeah, a but you're using a pre. You record through. it. Yeah, you're yeah.
4: pre-tape, so it's like you're you're getting the Neve sound as its signal's going into your DAW. So that
3: that brings up another point: is that the the plugins themselves now are getting to the point where people don't. Can't tell the difference. Well they can't tell the difference. There's someone said to me the other Great. the week they were talking about how they've got eleven seventy six or a couple of them sitting in their studio and they just don't bother using them anymore because the plugins sound exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You know, I think workflow's got a lot to
5: do with whether you're gonna be in the yeah. box or out the box and how you've worked, what your setup yeah, is.
0: But there are actually a couple of other factors that are not sound related that are important when you're using hardware and that's just being in a physical space with things that look cool uh, is inspiring. Yeah, that's yeah. What I'm yeah. running one my master's 30. thesis
2: on is uh, the impact <laughs> that using hardware has on creativity.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's, yeah. It makes a big difference. When they emulate these um, bits of old gear, they take the one that's in the best condition, they make mm. sure it's been serviced and it sounds the way it was intended to, and they emulate that but a lot of people like some of those old bits of equipment because they're not quite right and something happened yeah. to their ones where it's just sound and it sounds like no one else's whereas everyone who has that plug-in version, they get the exact same sound every time whereas someone might have a bit of a dodgy tape machine or a bit of a dodgy Roland Space Echo that does something weird to the sound mm-hmm. and that inspires them, that gives them a unique sound.
3: So what we've decided is, yeah, we're all f***ed. We're not going to have a job in a couple of years' time. (laughs) But we've determined, I think, from this that the important bit is still that creative process, and people are going to need engineers for that.
2: Yeah, to make the creative
3: Mm. decisions. Yeah, unless you just stick stuff in things and listen to how it sounds, which a lot of people do, but some people just want someone there to bounce those ideas off. And so did the engineer, had slowly been changing into a role of a producer anyway, Mm. I think we're going to see a lot more of that.
4: Can I tie this back to the original question about DAWs? Please do. So what you guys are saying at the moment is saying that DAWs are yet to be able to share the human experience. Oh. And when they can suddenly do that... You know,
1: Even if you're using right. the tools, you have yeah. to understand have to what tools to use and why. So, And you can't just know that at the top of your head. You, you've got to have that experience. You can make your production... Stages more efficient and effective, and, and the whole thing quicker by using technologically developed tools to help you. But you still got no. Why is that not sounding right? How do I make it sound right? What tool do I use? What setting do I use? Right, no matter how automated it is. for you then,
2: Wayne. What about uh, it's the year you know, twenty thirty nine and DAWs now have a, a mix-down button in the top right corner. <laughs> you do all your recording, you put all your audio in the DAW and you, you click that button and it figures out exactly what processing and EQing point. and stuff needs to happen to make it sound as good as possible. Somebody, the engineer really has to program it. <laughs> that's what Neutron does. That's what yeah. Is, yeah.
0: And it does it really well. It does. It's, really. not, quite, it's not quite there yet. But is it's it better f- than Newsting? It's the first version,
1: absolutely not. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but
0: it's, better, it's better than someone who hasn't spent the whole life working on exactly. audio and mixing yeah. stuff. It's way better and it, it, um, it at least gets you into the ballpark so that when you use it and process a channel, You can see the EQ curve, you can see the compression settings, and they work really well. So for someone who's not an audio engineer, that's a fast-track way of learning how to do it, because they see it, they go, that's what I'm supposed to do in this situation. They are,
4: but isn't a great thing about being an audio engineer is trial and error and making sometimes
1: those beautiful mistakes, and can that machine do that?
0: It would have to be programmed into it, wouldn't it? Awesome.
1: (laughs) But the engineer is required to, to support and inform the programmer then, always.
0: But I think, you know, this, this. it's not a new argument, this. What a, what a good piece of technology should do is it should make things easier and free up your time to do other things. Yeah. So I welcome all that stuff. I think it's great that, it, you know, if you're mixing a song, after I've been working on it for five or six hours... I'm done with it, I don't wanna hear it anymore, I've heard it too many times. And it usually takes me a lot longer to mix it because I have to do all these technical things, set up the EQs, use spectrum analyzers and stuff to figure out where's that problem frequency, all that sort of stuff. And if all that stuff is done for me and I just have to put the plug-in on, then do what I'm actually supposed to be doing, which is listening and go, well, the snare's not right there, going, no, oh I true. can see it's compressing it too hard, that's not right for this song. Then I've got much more time to do the creative part of mixing where I can you know, move things around, make things more interesting yeah. um, and probably get a better result because I haven't listened to the song so many times, I haven't got
2: fatigued, I haven't got bored of it. Technology is good at automating boring processes, repetitive processes. But I think people, are, you know, there's always going to need to be a human involved to make creative decisions about like what That's exactly what you were talking very about. Very true. Before.
0: You know, yeah, with audio, if we're if we're looking at it from an audio engineer's perspective, there's still live sound, which still needs someone to look yeah. over. You can't just walk away from a live set just in case something goes wrong and you blow up people's ears. You know, there's more and more TV, you know, Netflix. Digital content, there's so much of it at the moment that that's a good way of getting into uh, work for audio engineers. I think, yeah, if you're looking at the traditional audio engineer, you know, the um, go into a studio and record bands, that's been dying for the last 20
3: years. So, um, yeah. Audio engineering is entrepreneurship now, pretty much. Anything creative. Well, gentlemen, it's time to, uh, to round things up. Nice one. Any final words? It's been real. Yeah.